Hello and welcome to Just Outside the Box with Ben Frazier. Today I have a good friend of mine, former sports editor at the Concordian newspaper in Montreal, Nick DiGiovanni. Today we're going to be talking about uh, the NHL, more specifically the recent string of restricted free agent contracts that have come in and how they've really impacted the NHL for this coming year. Hey Nick, how you doing? I'm not too bad yourself. I'm great. So we'll lead into this with talking about more recently Mitch Marner's contract and how it applies to all the other RFAs. Because as it seems right now, Mitch Marner just making under $11 million per year over seven years. Do you think that's an overpayment by Toronto? I think so. Um, I know that you're a good player, but considering that uh, Radman got, what, seven mil? Yeah, I think, so Radman is seven mil. Point is just under seven. Uh, Whining is about seven, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Connor is about seven or eight. You know, considering how he was the first piece to fall, and then everyone else fell after, uh, you know, he, I think he set the bar, and he's a great player, and uh, there's no doubt about it that he deserved to get paid, but almost 11 mil where on a team that they have half their salary cap dedicated to four guys, what, Marner, Matthews, Neander, and Tavares, four fours on top of that. This is, this is not even worrying about defense or goaltending. I think Toronto should have pushed a bit more to maybe save a mil or even, even just 500k off the cap. A major problem I'm having with uh, the restricted free agency is I'm no fan of the Maple Leafs, like that's incredibly obvious, but it doesn't seem fair for a lot of the teams in a higher tax brackets like Toronto, like the Canadian markets, and some American markets, that the, the salary cap doesn't reflect the taxes of that particular city. For example, in Florida, like a comparison was Point, Braden Point and Mitch Marner. For the same amount of money that Marner's receiving in actual dollars, it's only about $5 million. and even though Mitch Marner uh, makes about $4 million in cap more than Braden Point, Point's only taken home about a million dollars less in actual money than, uh, than Marner. Do you think uh, that needs to be changed in a new CBA? Oh, 100%. I mean, I uh, tweeted that last week after Point signed his deal. It's just not fair to Canadian teams because the Canadian you know, tax system, especially Toronto and Montreal, works in a way where these guys have to pay half their salary to taxes. So I know there's there's a lot of um, details because, you know, when, you, when they play games in the States, they pay those taxes to the States. So it's, you know, we're talking about taxes for, for half the games. So it's hard to calculate uh, exactly how much you guys are, are taking in. But it's just, it's just not fair because these guys want their money and, and there's a huge difference in between money in their bank account and their cap hit. But the bottom line is they want more money in the bank account. So for guys like uh, Marner in Toronto or you know, in the future Domi in Montreal or Cockingham in Montreal, they're going to have to have a higher cap hit just to bring in the same amount of money as someone in, the, in, in Florida or in Nevada with a lower cap hit. So I really do think it has to be changed to protect Canadian teams. Is that going to happen? Is, is, is our friend Gary Bendman going to do that? I don't know. And, and then there's the other thing is exactly how do you, how do you calculate that? Do you, do you ask a guy for his tax income? You know, like I said, they're paying taxes for every city that they work in. They all have work visas to, to play in the states because when you go play in the states, you're technically working there, you're making income there. 
that's going to be part of the next CBA discussion, which will be in a few years because I know both sides, the NHLPA and the NHL, just recently uh, agreed to extend it to 2022, I believe. That, that's going to be a big part of the discussion. And who's going to bring that up? Do you think the players care? At the end of the day, the players are still going to be making the same amount of money. The tax, the tax system isn't going to change. It's going to have to be the owners who, who, who bring that up. And then at the same time, the American owners will like that because they know the Canadian owners have deep pockets. Jeff Molson can pay his players extra. Let's say, let's say for example, uh, for Toronto, for Marner, um, under NHL salary cap that includes after-tax income. They're going to pay Mitch Marner maybe 15, 16 million a year, so that brings in 8 million, let's say, and that's 8 million on the cap. And they have that money where the Leafs can dish out 16 million a year to one player, knowing that it's only going to cost them 8 million on the cap. Teams in the States can do that, albeit there's going to be less money going to taxes, so, uh, you know, the cap hit and, and their, their salary cap is closer, but owners don't have deep uh, as pockets, so it's going to be, if that ever happens, it's going to be uh, tough negotiations. And I'm glad you brought up uh, the 40 million to four players in Toronto. A lot of discussions that have been coming out of Toronto lately is that with, with all this cap hit tied to the players, people are looking back on the John Tavares contract and it might kill the Maple Leafs. Do you think this is this is valid? Do you think the Tavares contract is gonna be is gonna wind up as a mistake? It's it's hard to say because then you're you're trying to predict the future at that point. Right, I think right now it's not. In the future it depends how their other players are gonna want to get paid. Like I know well it's happening. But then also they have no goaltending, no defense. It's just in my opinion just a bad situation for them. You know, if they don't want that martyr contract to be a mistake they're going to have to make sure they win the Stanley Cup in the next few years. Because if that doesn't happen, within two, three years, they're, they're not going to win the Cup under Tavares, under Matthews, uh, Marner. It's just, they're, they're really going to be cap-strapped within the next few years. And and so far, there's no results to show for it. You know, they're paying you guys a lot of money for a team that can't make it out of the first round. With uh, not getting out of the first round, do you think Mike Babcock is on the hot seat this year? Because, as you said, the Maple Leafs have a lot of talent, arguably one of the most pure talented teams in the NHL, and yet that they've re- yet to reach the second round under Babcock's reign. Do you think if this year they don't get out of the first round again, Babcock's gone in Toronto? I don't think so. I don't think so because it's just going to be another case of oh, we'll be by a better Bruins team. You know, I don't know. It's hard to say. It also depends how they perform. The Leafs are really all in. I think on Babcock, they're paying a lot of money. Too. I think he's one of the highest paid coaches in the, in the league, and I don't think there's been any signs of of a demise there. Because in, I think, in their opinion, you know, they know they're a good team. And then every time they get, get eliminated in the playoffs, it's like, oh, we're a young team. So it's just a, it's just a fresh excuse every time. Let's uh, go into a different issue with coaching. The Montreal Canadiens just wrapped up their preseason. Yes, Barry Cockton, the Emmy. In his limited ice time, because for, for a lot of people have noted, he's been not getting a lot of ice time in the preseason, no power play, no penalty kill, etc. And TVI has been thro- uh, throwing around the notion that Kotkaniemi could start the season in Laval. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Do you think that's a legitimate argument to have? Uh, that's, that's, yeah, that's garbage. I mean, for a guy that played in the NHL 18, and he's coming back bigger, stronger than, than last year. What, what's he going to learn in the law? Um, it wouldn't make sense. 
for their own, I guess. It's just, uh, it's even a weird thought. What's he, what's he gonna learn in Laval? That he's not gonna learn in Montreal. Like what? Score a couple more goals. He had, he scored what, 10, 12 goals last year. You know, for a player like Coffee Damian, it wouldn't make sense for Laval. You know, maybe players like Suzuki or, or Paley and Wood because they don't have NHL experience, but why take a 19 year old with a full year of NHL experience and put him on a team that he doesn't win in Laval and in a league that suits scrubs at this point? You know, the way the NHL is going, going, I think the NHL has become a league for, for guys past their prime or just guys who aren't good enough for fourth liners. It's not a developmental league anymore. Going back to the Canadians and Nick Suzuki, he has absolutely lit up the preseason, not necessarily stats-wise, but his hockey IQ is off the charge, gathering attention from everybody in the hockey media world. I believe he's earned his spots on the Canadians. Do you believe that Nick Suzuki, even though he's pretty young and sort of undersized for the NHL at this point, do you think he's going to have that impact on the team like Colton Niemi did last year? Yes, yes, but I think also in a different sense because, like I said before, Cockney Emmy came in at 18 years old. Last year, everyone was just kind of happy with whatever result Cockney Emmy had. And so I think Suzuki is a bit different because he is 20 years old. You know, he he's had that time to develop. So to the point, you know, it's not like it's a, it's a pressure thing, but, you know, if he's, if he's going to play in the NHL now, I think fans are going to want him to perform, and if he doesn't, he's going to go back down to the AHL versus last year. Kokiami didn't have that option to go uh, to the AHL. It's hard to compare the two, but we had, uh, this is Max Pacioretty for Tatar, Suzuki, and a second round pick. This is, this is crazy late for Josh Georges for Max Pacioretty to turn into Suzuki, Tatar, and a second. So whatever, whatever Nick Suzuki does, along with Thomas Tatar, I think all fans are going to be happy. You know, I think we just have to wait and see. We can't, uh, you know, the Habs can't uh, put them in, in higher responsibility areas. Maybe start them off on the on a third line wing and then throughout the season go them into a center position, depending how Peeling does, depending if there's any injuries, just depending overall the team is doing. So uh, I wouldn't mind seeing develop a bit more, giving more time, but it's definitely, definitely been, you know, a good sight to, to see so far. I think they're in tough for an Atlantic Division playoff spot this year, especially with with obviously the top three in Tampa, Boston, and Toronto. But with a revamped uh, Florida Panthers team, especially now that they have their number one goalie in Sergei Bobrovsky, I'm not entirely confident that the Habs could make that jump, even though with the 96 points last year. I think they're one of the few teams in the Atlantic that didn't get better this offseason, despite Bergevin's attempts to improve the team. Do you think this offseason was a failure for Mark Bergevin? I gotta completely disagree with you because uh, I think it was a perfect offseason. You know, you see too many teams that go all in on July on July first with massive contracts to guys who maybe even be past their prime. You know, obviously Florida did a really good job. They got Bobrovsky, they, they brought in a new coach, they, they have a really good team now. Uh, but we haven't seen them play yet, and they had a good offseason to get guys. Are they gonna work well together? You have to wait and see. The Habs, I think, are just continuation and even better continuation of last year. A team that just missed out on playoffs because of a rough patch in February February and March. And this is a young team. We're just talking about Suzuki Bailey, Puffing Emmy, Flurry, we haven't mentioned Flurry. The fact that they didn't do any changes is was very good. You know, obviously the garden, um, Sherrod, basically replacing Ben, 
an even better version of them, let's say. Okay, sure, they got rid of uh, Andrew Shaw, but all due respect to Andrew Shaw, what's he going to do to make this team better? They're a much, I wouldn't say a much better team than last year, but because their young guys got better, and because they don't really have that, that many old guys on the team that are on the downslope of their career, you know, uh, Gallagher, uh, Tatar, they're in their prime. Uh, Shea Weber, maybe he's a bit past his prime, but he's still very good. Carey Price, it's Carey Price. There's no, there's no questioning that. Um, no, I'm happy that there was no moves because uh, we even said it last year at the deadline, at the trade deadline. Any move into the scene, any new guy coming in, might screw up the chemistry. So this is a good team that I think is going to challenge for not only a playoff position, but a top spot in the division. Yes, the Bruins are a very good team, but that's a team where the players are going on the downslope of their careers, like Bergeron, Defenchara, but we kind of saw their age come out a bit at the end of the, the finals last year, I found. I think it's going to be a, a battle between the, the Habs and, and Bruins for sure, and the least too, because you never know with them, to be honest. Uh, they, they come in each season with so much height, and then they screw something up, so the Habs could definitely play with the Leafs and Bruins. You pointed out a lot that many players from the Canadians last year had career seasons. Max Domi, Andrew Shaw. A lot of these guys had their career years and they missed out on the playoffs. Are you worried at all that these guys are going to regress back to let's, to normal? You know what? A lot of, told me, a lot of people have told me the exact same thing. Uh, it's hard to predict. Nobody would have predicted their career seasons last year. You know, especially Domi and Tatar. Uh, even Gallagher too, but uh, and then I think a lot more people saw it coming. But uh, I don't know. It, it's hard to say, especially for a guy like Domi, he's not going to regress that much. He had 70 points last year. Okay, even if he had 60 this year, is that a regression? No. It's just, it's just not more than your before. You know, he's still a young guy. You know, if if Max Domi was 28, 29 years old, scoring 70 points out of the blue, then then he could bring up this this discussion. But because he's 23, scoring 70 points, playing the best hockey of his career. And absolutely loving it. You know, he loves Montreal. This is a only we didn't see in Arizona where about 20 fans and your cousins came to watch. Uh, I think when Domi was in Arizona, the reason why he, he wasn't producing was because it was all a mental thing. Uh, he wasn't, uh, like, pushed by the fans. And now he's pushed by the fans. And it, it's hard to predict, obviously, if he's going to do as well. Certainly not. He's not, he's not going to be a liability. He's not going to regress to the point where he's Jonathan Jouet. Even Jouet. Last year was a career year of, I wouldn't even say it was, just he still put up 54 points. And so, obviously fans expect better from him. From him and uh, him too, I think he's going to do better than last year just because of Kasher Bond. But, um, I don't, like I said before, it's just, just going to be a continuation of a good bunch of Canadian team. And the last thing about the Canadians, Jonathan Drouin, since you brought him up, He's been having a not a good season, practically a preseason, excuse me, practically invisible on the ice, not producing as a top line winger should. Do you think Drouin's time in Montreal is limited? Should they find a trade? Because personally, as much as I'm not enjoying Drouin's play, now's not the time to trade him because his value is too low. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah for sure. And, uh, I think it's just because of the the fans that there's trade talk. You know, it, it's because he came here with a pretty high expectation to perform. Those expectations haven't been met, especially considering what they gave up. I mean, Mikhail Sergeyev isn't 
that much better for Tampa Bay Lightning. As we've seen in the past when Victor Hedman gets hurt, Sergeyev hasn't been able to step up and be the number one D-back, albeit sure he's still young. But uh, he's just, uh, it's not the time, like you said, it's not the time to trade away. Uh, I don't know if there will ever be a time, maybe at the beginning of that soft season, you know, and when he's another player, you just have to wait and see, I guess, because he could be the best player on the Canadians, and at the same time, he, he could be the worst. It, it's hard to know with them. He's so, he's so up and down, and until he finds a consistency, whether it's a bad consistency or it's a good consistency, you, you, can't, you can't treat him because other teams won't know what they're going to get from him. And moving on to the rest of the National Hockey League, I want to run through some predictions that you have for the for the season. Personally, I think a major storyline to watch is how the Milan Lucic for James Neal trade works out. Because I'm a huge believer in that James Neal is going to revitalize his career in Edmonton, while Lucic is just going to stay the same and even possibly regress more in Calgary. Because even if you play James Neal for five minutes with Connor McDavid, He's going to score 20 goals this season. I think, I think, I think Calgary was out of their minds when they made that trade. What do you think about it? It's hard because James Neal didn't do anything for, for Calgary. You know, it's not like he would have done anything uh, either this year. And I guess they just wanted a, a refresh. We've seen this many times across the league. And, you know, they just, just get rid of someone and just get him refreshed, get a, a new player excited to play somewhere. I mean, Milan Lucic isn't that... That much better. He's not. I don't think he's a good player at all because he's another player that big, big mistake in free agency where Edmonton gave him all this money on July first because he was good in Boston, and then he's pretty much past the prime of his career, and and he he can't even play with Connor McDavid. You know, you you know, clearly James Neal, he's good, but kind of getting older, he's on the downslope of his career where he's not going to make an impact that much of an impact, even with a player like McDavid. I mean, you could put anyone with Connor McDavid. You could put me with Connor McDavid, and I'll score 20 goals. That's how good that player is. He makes everyone else around him look better. And it just so happens to be that James Neal, the way he plays, suits McDavid's style, play a bit more than Milan Lucic. And so, I mean, obviously it is a good trade for the Oilers, but for the Flames, you know, Lucic is getting a fresh start. Uh, this, them two, they're a fast young team, but he... He might be able to like replace Michael Furland from a few years ago and bring that robust attitude to the to the team. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how how both players play. I guess. You have some predictions about how this season's gonna go. Like, who's your cup champ? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to predict. Uh, my heart, my heart definitely says the Montreal Canadiens. There's no doubt about that. Actually, I'm changing my pick, Colorado Avalanche. With with the Avalanche, especially, because they've got McKinnon and Ranton now locked up for 15 million through most of their 20s together. It's incredible cap management by Colorado. Uh, they got Kaji this year. I mean, Kale McCarr's coming in, and we saw them last year being a really good Flames team, and they're just a young team that's going to get better. Uh, Nathan McKinnon is one of the most underrated players in the league. I think he has to be up there with Connor McDavid as, as, as one of the best. Um, you know, he, he's, he's, he's answering the best of his career, and we're going to see some things from Nathan McKinnon that we haven't seen in a while. I mean, a guy that's not named Cindy Cosby, Alex Ovechkin, or Carmen Bailey. Do you have some early picks for the major awards this year? Some players that we really need to look out for, like For Your Heart, Vesna, Calder, all those. So every trophy, uh, Nathan McKinnon. <laughs> including Norris, including Vesna. No, no. Uh, I, I'd say, I, I 
because I'm, I'm pretty good at communicating so much, uh, I'll, I'll give that uh, the hard communicator. The hard loss, I think, it's so, wait, okay, so the hard loss is most, most points, okay. I, I'll give that to Big David again. And then Rocker Shard, you can go uh, Alex Oleskin, who I hope one day passes when he gets his goal scoring record, even if he doesn't. He's, in my opinion, the greatest goal scorer of all time. And I don't think there's any question about that because of the era he plays in. Uh, you know, just imagine, imagine Ovechkin in the 80s. How many goals do you think he would have scored in the 80s? Yeah, it's, it's, it's insane to think about Ovechkin in the 80s. The same, yeah, same type of player. I, you can't even f fathom how many goals he would score. For, uh, what about, what about uh, your Norris Trophy and your, call, and your Calder? Who's the, who's the defenseman and the rookie to watch this year? I'll go to talk about your, your team in the NFL, the New Orleans Saints. With Drew Brees going out with that injury, do you, are you worried at all about the Saints? Even though Teddy Bridgewater is a very capable uh, NFL quarterback, are you at all worried? Well, I'm not as worried as Pittsburgh Steelers fans. <laughs> their quarterback is that's the season. You know, Drew Brees, it's only, you know, I say only six weeks, but that's... Uh, Significant amount of time. It's only in half the season. You know, and if you look at the Saints' schedule, uh, I think they have five more games until their bye week. They, they say Reeves could be out for six weeks, and if it, even if it takes six weeks, he'll have that, at least that extra week for the bye week where he doesn't have to, to, to worry about playing at all. And uh, you know what? Uh, I'll say I was worried at first, but seeing how he came out against the Seahawks last week, it made me a bit less worried. So, you know, it, it's a bit tough schedule, especially with Chicago and Dallas. But, um, you know, considering Tampa Bay, Jacksonville, Arizona, uh, those are definitely winnable games. So let's, let's say at the end, uh, Bridgewater uh, plays six games, starts six games. If he can win three or four of them, the Saints are set for the, the rest of the season, especially considering how their division is. Cam Newton is hurting Carolina. Atlanta is very shaky. Tampa Bay is not a good team. Um, you know, they're, they're two and one. Everyone else is one and two. I believe, or, or the Bucks actually might be two and one. Don't, don't quote me on that. But um, you know, they came out last week against Seattle and had a game plan around Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, Bridgewater. The problem when he came in against the Rams, they still had Drew Brees. Drew Brees game plan for a guy who's not Drew Brees. So Sean Payton recognized that. He recognized that he has the the best running back in the league besides Zeke Elliott. Probably, probably even the best with Alvin Kamara. And he devised a game plan around short passing and running. And Kamara had about 150 yards and, and two touchdowns, three touchdowns even. And Bridgewater, this is a guy who went to the Pro Bowl in, in This is a guy who, who was the number one player in the league, who was one of, I think one of the best in that 2015 season. You know, he had that horrific injury, and he has been playing, and, you know, it's going to take some, some time. And, and, you know, this might even be a blessing in disguise for Teddy Bridgewater because 
sign a one-year deal with the Saints, he's coming in. He's going to start for six games probably, and he might become, you know, he might have that game mentality back, and and that's going to earn him a starting job in the league elsewhere next year. That or he, he can wait around until Drew Brees retires and and uh, the Saints become his team. And so so moving forward, Reed, uh is going to stick with that game plan for Bridgewater for Kamara. The Lions are on a good defense, uh, and you know it, it's not so worrisome. I think if the coaching wasn't as smart, it would be a bit more worrisome. If if they had no running game, very worrisome. But you know, the receiving game is going to be affected for sure. Like Michael Thomas isn't going to be racking in like like you know twenty catches a game. Uh, obviously, that's a big exaggeration, but. This has been Just Outside the Box Score with Ben Fraser. I'd like to thank my guest, Nick DiGiovanni. You can find him on Twitter at N underscore DiGiovanni. He's also a broadcaster for the Concordia Singer Sports Teams. You can find him on their live broadcasts on CGLO Sports. Thank you so much, Nick. Thanks, Ben. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.